Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, good morning, everybody. Man, it is so good to see you today. We are absolutely delighted that you are here with us today. And I'm excited about the message today because I think it's going to help you. I really do. Uh, We're talking about uh, remembering to add value to others. How many of you know this? That when you add value to other people, your value goes up. You know, you know that? That's why that when you do good things for other people, it makes you feel good too. So when you lift others up, you go up. So if you want to be happy, we have to learn to add value to other people. And uh, we're going to talk about that this morning. Again, we've been going through the book of Philippians, and the writer of the Bible, Paul, of actually wrote the New Testament, half the majority of the New Testament, Paul is writing to the Philippian church, and he's beginning to give them some instructions. He's been encouraging them, but he begins to get on this thing of adding value. So if you would just look on your outline with me, he says this, Philippians 2 and 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. And what are we supposed to do right there? Would you read those two words that are underlined? You ready? One, two, three. Value others, values other, value others more than yourself or above yourself. So what he was saying was this, is that happiness comes to people who are grateful for the other people in their lives. That's the happy people that are grateful for the other people in their lives. I would tell you this, that gratitude will change your attitude. Did you get that? When you become grateful for the people in your life, your attitude about those people begin to change. So gratitude changes your attitude. So I want to give three ways this morning to add value to other people. Remember, when you add value to someone else, your value goes up and you experience happiness. So that's why we want to do it today. So if you write this down, the first thing is this, is learn to say thank you. Learn to say thank you. As we look at this principle of learning to say thank you, do you know that gratitude is the answer for depression, self-centeredness, and anger? Do you know that? Gratitude is that answer because it's hard to be depressed when you're thankful. It's hard to be self-centered when you're expressing thank you to someone else. It's hard to be angry when you're expressing gratitude. So learn to say Thank you. You see, uh, a a person who lacks gratitude is actually a very small person. I wrote this down. Gratitude is not gratitude that gratitude that is not expressed is worthless. If I could throw a, a big warning sign up right now that would just flash these red lights and say, mistake, mistake, mistake. The mistake that the majority of people make in this area is this, is that many people think thoughts of gratitude. Many people have feelings of gratitude, but most people don't express it. So here, listen, 
Thinking it and feeling it is not the same as saying it. Did you get that? So just because you have thoughts of gratitude, just because you feel gratitude, it's not communicated. And communicate, uh, gratitude that's not expressed is meaningless. It's empty. I know many, many husbands and wives and, and parents and children who feel good about their parents and who have thoughts of gratitude, but yet they don't say it, and it, it ends up being empty. So here's it. Uncommunicated gratitude actually is ingratitude. When it's uncommunicated. And I would say that is one of the things that most of us struggle with. Look what the writer of Proverbs said, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. He said, what you say can mean life or what? Or death. Amen. Anybody else, anybody else beside me ever said something you wish you hadn't said? <laughs> anybody? Yes. It can kill you. It can kill a relationship. Those who speak with care will be what? We'll be rewarded. We'll be rewarded. You see, what I've come to understand is this. It's very difficult to be grateful and hateful at the same time. It's very difficult. It's very difficult to be grateful and hateful at the same time. So gratitude changes us. It changes our attitude. You, listen, I wrote this down. You might want to think about this. Express gratitude changes your attitude. And when you have an attitude change, it will take your relationship to a new altitude. Did you hear that? Gratitude changes your attitude, and when you have an attitude change, it will take your relationship to a new altitude. You know, are you looking for a new spark in your relationship? You know, maybe you feel like as a married couple that this ain't working out, or, or maybe as a, you know, a parent-child relationship, this isn't working out. I'll tell you why. It's begin to express gratitude, and all of a sudden it'll take your relationship to a a new altitude, because it will change your attitude. So as we look at this, I want you to look at the next passage of Scripture I have. This is actually the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments that God gave Moses. And so I want you to read the first word. When I count to three, I want you to shout out the first word of this commandment. Are you ready? Exodus chapter 20 and 12. You ready? One, two, three. Honor. Oh, you, you, you did good, yes. <laughs> Honor. Honor your father and mother. Notice what God says. In other words, he was saying, the, the fifth commandment that I'm going to give you that you need to remember that he put in stone was to honor, show gratitude to your mother and father. Do that, he said. Do that. He said, if you do that, you will live long. <laughs> you know, I understood that in my home because if I didn't honor my dad, then I realized that I, he would kill me, you know? He's like... He always said this, your mother may have brought you into the world, but I can take you out. I understood that, you know. Every parent is living for the day that their child will look at them and say, you did a good job. You know, every, every parent is living for the day that their child will look at them and say, thank you for the way you raised me or thank you for what you did in my life. Every parent is living for that moment. Why not give it to them? Why not give it to them? No matter how old you are right now, if your parents are still alive, you say, well, Pastor Jeff, you just don't know my home life. It was blah, 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 blah. Listen, everybody could nitpick that. But why don't you look for something good? I don't care. You know, maybe, maybe your parents, the one good thing that they did was made sure that you had food to eat. Why not, why not dwell on, why not say, you know, mom and dad, I just want to say thank you because you always provided for us and just forget all the other stuff. 
But just express gratitude. When you express gratitude toward them, your attitude toward them will change and it will make your relationship better, 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 better. So express gratitude to your parents. The other one is, I would say this, is express gratitude to God. It is amazing to me how the, do, do you understand that right now that God is, is choosing to let you live? Do you know that? The air that you're breathing in right now is by design of Almighty God. Do you know right now that, that if, if you were to have a massive heart attack and leave this world, if you are a Christ follower today, that as, as soon as your heart quit beating here, that the moment that your eyes sort of dim to the world, that you would see God Himself. Do you understand that? Do you understand if you were to leave this, this place today and you, were to go out and you were to get hit by a bus and your life ends and the last thing you see is a bus coming towards you? I can tell you, as soon as that impact happened and if you're a Christ follower today, the next sight you would see is Almighty God. And you would see that the heaven is real and that there are streets of gold and there are gates of pearl and all that you've heard about all your life is real. Do you know that you have that promise today that he's always with you? He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll go with you all the way to the end and that you can pray at any time and, and you can, and you can uh, by praying you can uh, ask God to help you in every situation and you will engage the armies of heaven on your behalf. Do you understand? understand that? And if you understand that today, then why don't we, why don't we, instead of every prayer being, God help my husband, God help my wife, God help my children, God help my mom, God help this, God help work, God help this. Every time we come before him, it's always do this for me. And when you live like that, in gratitude, God only becomes like a genie lamp. You rub it and say, okay, come out, Mr. Genie, I have a wish for you. My friend, nobody likes being treated like that. And so when you express gratitude to God, thank you for this day that you allowed me to wake up to this morning. I know that this day is a divine gift from you, that you are my heavenly Father. When you express that gratitude, it changes everything about you and your relationship with Him. The psalmist said it this way. Look what he says. In Psalms 95 and 2, he says, Let us come before him with what? Come on, shout it out. With what? Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. With thanks Let us come to him with thanksgiving and sing joyful songs of what? Of praise. That's why today that when you come into this service, you know, if you made it here before the music ended, when, when the songs were being played, that's why they were joyful songs. They were up-tempo songs. Why? Because we're obeying the Scripture. We want to give thanks. And, and I struggle with words to say of thanks sometimes to God. So when I gather with you and they put them up on the screen, I can say those words and say, Me too, God. A lot of times, if you, you, know, if you notice me, I, I've got my finger pointing up like this. A lot of times I'm saying, Me too. Me too. All those words that somebody wrote, God, those are awesome. And, and I couldn't think them up, but God, that's the way I feel. I am thankful to you, Almighty God. So that's why it's important to get here on the singings going on, so that you can express thank you to Almighty God. And it is very important. So let me give you number two. Would you write this down? If you're going to add value to other people, is this, 
is give people an appreciation of touch. Now guys, before you check out on me now, you got to listen to me. You see, words are overrated when it comes to adding value to people and touch is underrated. Do you know they did a study, and the University of Illinois did a study, they followed the NBA players. And they found out that the NBA players who at the beginning of the season did the chest bumps, did the high fives, did the slap on the back, those players that did that at the beginning of the season always outscored and always were winners at the end of the season. Why is that? Because it was something about, there's something about the power of touch that says, I believe in you. When words can't express it, you know, when, when you watch those big burly football players, you know, after they do their, their touchdown dance, you know, all of a sudden they're coming and jumping up on each other, high-fiving, chest bumping, slapping each other's head, slapping their bottoms and all this stuff, you know, that we would think was weird in any other context. What are they doing? They're, they're saying, hey, you're the man. I believe in you. You matter. You are valuable to this team. And so there's power in touch. I want to say this to you as well. It's amazing to me about God. Do you know that God, when He created the world, He didn't lift a finger? He just spoke the words? Do you understand that? If you go back to the very beginning of the Bible, you're going to understand that in Genesis, God just spoke. He spoke and He created the heavens and the earth. He did that. He just spoke and formed it. There's power in God's words. Matter of fact, Jesus picked this up, and when he was on the earth, something amazing happened with Jesus. And that is this, is that there was a guy by the name of Lazarus who died, who they actually had his funeral, had the whole ceremony. The priest had already done his saying over, everybody cried, boo-hooed, he's in the tomb. They rolled a stone, put it in front of the tomb, sealed it up. Jesus come four days later, and he goes to the tomb. And he just says, he says to the people, he says, move the stone. They moved the stone. And when they were moving the stone, his family members said, no, don't move the stone. He's been dead four days. His body stinks by now. Don't do it. And Jesus said, move the stone. And as they moved the stone, Jesus said, Lazarus, Lazarus, come out of that grave. Just spoke the word. That's all he did, spoke. And after he said that, that dead man that had been dead four days that was wrapped up, he looked like a mummy walking out of that grave, but he walked right out in his grave clothes. It's the power of his word. So we know that God can just speak and do miracles, but here's what I want you to know. 90% of the time when Jesus did miracles, he did it by touching and speaking. He touched, and then he spoke. He touched, and then he spoke. We're going to look at a couple of examples of the Scripture. The first one that you're going to see is disciples, that Jesus comes up on the disciples, and they're afraid. And look what happens here. It says, but Jesus came and what? And touched them. Get up, he said, and don't be afraid. Notice that. Before he ever spoke, he touched them and said, it's okay, boys. The next thing we see is, is that Jesus heals blind people. But look what happens here. Jesus had compassion on them and what? And touched their eyes. 
Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Notice that touching come before healing. When God was teaching us, Jesus was actually teaching us in Mark, verse we're about to read, about that when we pray for people, how that as believers that we are to pray for people. But notice what he says here, how we're to do it. He says this, and they will place their what? Hands on sick people and they will what? Notice, it, we have to pray. You can't just go by and touch someone and they get well, but it's when you touch and you pray. Isn't it amazing? There's something powerful about touch. There's healing in touching. And I would say this to you. If you want your relationships healed, you're overusing words and underusing touch. Because there's something about the power of touch that translates a feeling that words cannot translate. Would you agree with that? You see, the, the thing that we see this, scientists have proved this, the medical field has proved this. Back in 1995 in Worcester, Massachusetts, there was these two twins that were born. Briley and Kyrie were born. Twelve months premature, they were in a neonatal unit. Briley, uh, Kyrie was doing very well. She began to gain weight. She was like born at 2.2 pounds and 3 ounces, and she started gaining weight, and she was doing really well. But Kyrie, on the other hand, was not doing so well. Kyrie, on the other hand, she began to lose weight. Her breathing was getting very shallow. His, her heart rate was dropping, and to so much to the point to where the nurses and the doctors called the parents in and said, we're not so sure that she's going to make it. But one nurse had an idea. She said, why don't we try something before we just give up? She said, why don't we put the babies together in one incubator? And when they did that, Briley, the one that was doing so well, reached over and put her arm over her little sister at two pounds. When she did this, her breathing went to normal. Her heart rate returned to normal. She began to gain weight. Why? Because there's power in touch. There's healing in touch. And I would say this, that if you want healing in your relationship, if you want to be happier in your life, learn to, to, to you know, we've been taught in our world, keep your hands off. No, 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 no. If you're married to them, put your hands on them. Hallelujah. Man, I thought I'd get a big amen out of that. Yes, sir. I thought somebody would get a wave a hanky on that one. Yes. Man, listen. You know the problem that we have today is this, is that husband and wives are so busy. We're so busy going to work and running the kids to all these places because it's all about the kids, and we forget it's about one another, and it's just, hello, how are you doing? Goodbye. Hello, how are you? Goodbye. Hello, how are you? Goodbye. And we don't ever see each other. I mean, it's just passing shift to the night. No wonder our marriages are breaking up. We don't have time to have those fuzzy feelings, do we? Everything that you want and that you look for in somebody else, you already have if you just learn how to slow down and embrace what you already have. Oh, somebody needs to get this. Making me feel warm already. I'm thinking about Rhonda right now. I wish she was right here. I'd lay one on her right now if she was here. 
You see the power of touch. Our children, they're starved to death for someone just to embrace them, hug them. Hug them. Dads, I want to talk to you just a moment. You see, in our culture today, somehow we've got this thing, dad, with daughters that once they become, you know, 11 and 12 and they begin to develop into young women that, you know, that we shouldn't hug them anymore. That's up to the mom because that's all a little weird. And they even may tell you that it's weird. But let me just tell you something. It's not weird. You see, dad, if you don't touch your daughter in an appropriate way, somebody else is going to touch her in an inappropriate way. And so it's our responsibility, Dad. I know they may say, eh, you're grossing me out. Eh, you're grossing me out. That's all right. They're teenagers. Their brain's still developing. Amen. If they'll get over it one day. And guess what? You just embrace them anyway in an appropriate way. You love them. You hug on them. You just give them that. My daughter will be 19 in May. She come home from college this weekend. She walked in the door. And the first thing I did, I grabbed her and squeezed her. She said, you're hurting my neck. I don't care. I'm going to love you anyways, right? You see what I'm talking about? Why? Because our children are so deprived of touch and affection from their parents, they're going to get it from somebody else. So listen, moms and dads, I want to challenge you to a 21-day trial. For 21 days, a 21-day challenge, I want you for the next 21 days, I don't want you to leave your house without hugging your spouse. I don't want you to let your children leave your side without giving them a hug. I don't care how hurried you are. Set your clock for 10 minutes early that you might be able to give them a hug. And my philosophy is this. Don't bug me, hug me. It'll change your world. It'll rock your world. One more thing on this note. Oh man, I got a pet peeve here. It amazes me that how many people go on Facebook and say, oh, I married this man, you know, five years ago, and oh, he's so wonderful, blah, 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 blah. Tell the whole world all this. And not one time have they sat down and took their spouse's hand and looked them in the eye and said, I just want you to know. I married you five years ago, and I want you to know I still love you, and you're still the greatest thing in, in my life. You see, just because you say it to the world doesn't mean you communicate it to them. Because what you're wanting to do is everybody to feel how great you are because you posted that about your husband. They don't care. Your husband or your wife, they don't care what everybody else knows. They want to know how you feel about them and how you communicate it to them. So I'm going to tell you something. You want to light their fire? Forget Facebook for a little while and sit down with them and take their hands and just say, I just want you to know that I still love you. You still light my fire. You still are the joy of my life. And I want you to know we've been through some ups and downs. And right now we might not be doing that well, but I want you to know I still love you. And when you do that, all of a sudden... Like on the Grinch, that little heart starts beating and gets larger and larger and larger. So forget telling the world about it and just tell them about it. On your kid's birthday, don't worry about telling the world how wonderful they are. Why don't you sit down and tell them how wonderful they are? Amen. Somehow we think if we post it on Facebook that we posted it on their heart. No, when you touch them and you tell them, then you've done it to them. And that is just good stuff right there. That's good. 
Amen, that's good. Let me give you another one. You ready for this? Man, this is, I'm telling you what, this is just great, great teaching. You know why? Because it's lessons I had to learn the hard way. You get to learn at my expense. That's the advantage of being around a pastor that's getting older. <laughs> Ball-headed and wrinkled. Why? He's been through some stuff. <laughs> Number three, let the people around you know they are valued. That's the fill-in. Paul writing to Philippians, telling them how much he appreciates their partnership. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He said, I want to let you know you matter to me. You see, people forget what you say, they forget what you do, but they never forget how you make them feel. And Paul said, I want you to feel appreciated. There's two keys to let people know they're valued, and here they are. Letter A, would you write this down? Learn to listen to the people around you. You've heard me make this statement over and over again, is to be interested in, instead of trying to be interesting. Another thing I would tell you is this, if you want your voice to be heard, you can't do all the talking. If you want your voice to be heard, you can't do all the talking. People will only listen to you when they believe that you have listened to them. It's amazing to me that, have you ever been talking to someone, and while you're talking to them, before you can even finish, they're shaking their head like this. No, no. You ever, you ever experienced that? Doesn't that just set you on fire? Don't you just want to reach over and go, stop, in the name of Jesus. Right? I mean, does that do you like that? Just eat me up. Hurt you. Because what it says is that I'm not, I'm not, you stupid person. I'm not listening to you anymore, you dumb, dumb, dummy. Don't, if, they, if you have that habit, don't do it. You're not helping. You're hurting. Listen to people. The Bible says it this way. In James 1 and 19, look what he says. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Every sh everyone should be quick to do what? Come on, shout out. To do what? Yes. Slow to speak and slow to become angry. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, this is what he's saying. When you listen up, you button up, you grow up. Oh, did you hear that? If you button up and listen up, you'll grow up. But if you unbutton and you run that flapper all the time, you're never going to learn anything. You're never going to hear. Your, your marriage is never going to grow. With your children, it's never going to grow. At work, you're never going to grow. If you've got all the answers, friend, then guess what? Nobody can teach you anything. When you button up, you listen up, you grow up. You button up, listen up, grow up. Button up, listen up, grow up. It only happens in that manner. It's amazing that when you close your mouth, you know, when someone says something to us, every one of us have these feelings of anger. You know that. I'm mean, like, when somebody says something a little cross to you that you don't agree with, you have that little bit of anger build up. Everybody has that. But here's the difference in mature people and immature people. Immature people go, oh, let me tell you, your mama's ugly too. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just, just come off with something 
crazy, just a flashback. And when you do that, when you do that, you fuel anger within you and you become an angry person. But if you would just button up a moment, hear them out, and have the, let the Holy Spirit of God that's working inside of you put that little filter on that says, you shouldn't say that right now, even though you have a right to, but you should not do it. When you do that, that's maturity and you're growing up. Boy, we just need a world full of people that will grow up, don't we? Oh, what does everybody want to do? They want to get out there on Facebook. Let me tell you something. Do not have your fights on Facebook. If you're married today, you got, you're, you got a problem with your spouse, don't tell the stupid world about it. Go tell them about it. Dear God in heaven, once you write, listen, if you say it, and they say, well, you said this, you can deny it. But if you type it out and you put it for the whole world, you can't deny it. No, let me read back to you. This is what you said. Oh, don't ever do that. <laughs> wow, that was worth some of you coming here today for, wasn't it? Letter B. Speak to others' potential. When you want to add value, you see, you're going to talk to people the way you see them. You see, if you see people and you're, you know, and we all have people in our lives that, you know, like, mm -hmm. But you have to change your attitude or you can never help them. You can never like them or love them until you change your attitude. If you, if you, the people you see walk around, every time you see them, you see this way. Loser, loser, that's what they are. They're a loser. I just got to tolerate this person because all there are is a loser. That's all they're ever going to be is a loser. Guess what? You will never, ever be able to have a relationship with that person. But that great theologian, Rhonda Dawes, says this. Actions always follow attitude. And she's right. Actions always. You know what it is? Like the kid that comes home and has, you know, has five A's and one D. And man, five A's and one D. That's awesome. But what do we do? We look at the one D and say, D says dummy. So I'm going to take away your cell phone. You're not having any friends over. You're going to bed at, at 8 o'clock at night. You'll be up at, at 5 o'clock in the morning studying until you get that D up, you dummy, dummy, dummy. Shoot, if I would have got five A's and one D's, my parents would have bought a cake. <laughs> they would have had candles. Hallelujah. <laughs> don't you laugh at me. Some of you are in the same boat. You know that. Your kids come home with those grades and you give them a hard time. Shoot, your parents would have celebrated your kid's report card. And we do that with people, don't we? One thing. There's one thing. One thing I don't like about you. One thing. And that's all we think about that. One thing. One thing. One thing. One thing, you know. Listen, I don't like the way you eat. I didn't know you could eat wrong until I had a teenage daughter. I can eat. And she says, oh, listen to him. Breathe as he chews. It just annoys her, you know? I'm like, I'm sorry I didn't read that book. I didn't, breathe. I didn't read how to breathe while you chew. I didn't know there was a certain way. That one thing, one thing, one thing. I don't like that. I don't like, and that one thing that you don't like will overrule the hundred things that you do like. So grow up. 
Forget how they chew. That's all right. Just say, you know what? It'll be all right. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. The Bible says it this way. Matthew 7 and 12. This is called the golden rule. We have it as our memory verse. So in everything you do, do to others what you would have them do to you. Why would he say that? Because you're either a plus or a minus in people's lives. Either you're taking away or you're adding to. A plus or a minus. There's a lady by the name of Kelly Clarkson who won the American Idol about 10 years ago. She came out and wrote a song that I just thought was fantastic. She's like, you know, it was a song that said, Because of you, I never strayed far from the sidewalk. Because of you. I mean, I thought that's a pretty good song until I got to investigating and understand she wrote that song about her dad, and it wasn't good. It's because he was a bad dad. She had all this fear in her life. And guess what? That You know, do you think that made the relationship great? You know, you, you think that every time that she hears that song on the radio that it makes her feel good toward her dad? Do you think every time that her dad heard that song that it made him feel good toward her? No, it widened the gap. It widened the gap. Man, you can't do that stuff. That's why I say, please be careful what you put on social media. Why not just lessen it when it comes to talking about other people and just say it to them? Hopefully it'll be mostly good. In Africa, there's a term that they use. And before I give you this term, why don't we just go ahead and stand? We'll get our prayer partners to come on down. Would you go ahead and stand? Prayer partners, you'd come on down. In Africa, there's a term that is known as a Ubuntu, Ubuntu spirit. Ubuntu spirit in, in South Africa, this term simply means I am because of you. It's a spirit of interconnectedness that they have, that they understand they're interdependent on each other. I want to ask you a question today. Who do you need to tell that to? I am because of you. If my wife were sitting right here today, I would tell her first, Honey, I am the man. Any good thing in me is because of you. I am because of you. I would tell my children today that, you know what? I'm a better man because of them. I am because of you. I want to look all of you in the eye as, as the people, as your pastor. I want to tell you something. I am better. I am because of you. You have made me better. I, in other words, I would be less without you. I am because of you. And number one, I am because of God. He believed in me. He strengthened me. He helps me. He guides me. I am because of Him. Today. Why don't you express that? As we sing this song today, if you want to come down and let these guys pray with you, that's great. But if not, why not in your seat, first of all, express it to God like you never have before and say, God, I am because of you. And maybe there's someone in this church that's meant something to you. Before you leave, why don't you go to them and say, I am because of you. Would you do as we sing? Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, 
email me at jeffdawes at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.